Ellis East Elementary Walkthrough, May 18th, The Teacher's Lounge. After climbing the staircase and taking a right, the teacher's lounge is the first door on my right in the back portion of the second floor. On the other side of the hallway are only banks of lockers. There are a few banks on the right side of the hallway as well between the classroom doors. Entering the teacher's lounge, the first thing I notice is the chandelier. <laughs> there really is a chandelier. I always just assumed I imagined it. like. It's something out of a children's book, assuming the teacher's lounge just happens to have a chandelier. It appears to be original to the building. The chandelier is in the Empire style and appears to have been originally used with candles, but rewired for electric lighting at a later date. The wiring is not visible, suggesting a high quality update. Given the time of day, Light is refracting through the crystals, casting rainbows on the wall, and the large oak table underneath the chandelier. The table is lined with 12 high back chairs, all pushed in. It is otherwise empty. The only other items in the room are a small table by the wall and a home use refrigerator in the southeast corner of the room. The refrigerator is covered in an assortment of magnets, some shaped like the alphabet, others obvious souvenirs. To the left of the door, from the perspective of entering the room, there is a small bathroom with a sink, a toilet, and a shower stall. The shower curtain is covered in goldfish and reminiscent of the 1990s, though it is free from any mold or mildew. There is also a cabinet, presumably for teachers' personal effects. Audio Diary of Dr. Anna Georgina Plume, July 3rd, 9 p.m. Recorded in my home office. Okay, in the spirit of not putting things off, I am examining the following items. 1. The file labeled Anna Georgina Plume from the basement. 2. The box from the basement that had fallen out of the broken cabinet. The cedar chest is still outside in the shed. I'll have to explore it later starting with the file with my name on it. It's a fairly standard school record by the looks of it, kindergarten through third grade, corresponding with the years I was a student here. Let's see. Report cards, medical information, emergency contact information, state testing results, school pictures, a mostly empty disciplinary record that does note the time I went off in the woods without permission. There is a letter here from the school psychologist noting that my vivid imagination was not immediate cause for concern, though it should be continued to be monitored to ensure it did not lead me into any trouble. The final line reads, Though Anna Georgina remains convinced that someone else was with her in the woods, she seems otherwise oriented to reality. I am convinced that she is not of further danger to herself. In fact, I am not wholly unconvinced that Anna Georgina was in the woods alone that day. 
I would recommend investigating the possibility that another child, maybe an older one, lured her into the woods as a joke. Outside of that, the file is unremarkable. There are, however, some notes on the pages that I am assuming were added later. They're written in a thick red scrawl that does not match any of the pens or handwriting elsewhere in file. Everything written on here is nonsense. Die, spelled D-Y-E, gone grim. Uncoil Aegis. That sounds very familiar for some reason. I should look it up. General Hobnobs. This one seems to repeat itself with increasing frequency throughout the papers. Okay, best not to think too much about how my school file wound up alone in a basement with nonsense phrases written all over it, so we're just going to turn our attention to the box, which also has its provenance in the creepy basement where I broke my arm. Nothing weird about this. Okay, I'm opening it now. We have a mahogany leather-bound book, unembossed, with green and white marbled end pages, judging by the binding, late 19th century. The pages seem to be full, though they are written in an alphabet I do not recognize. A series of symbols, some look familiar, all look ominous. Helena did say that Algernon was dabbling in the arcane. There are also empty glass jars, a glass jar of marbles, a deck of cards, playing, not tarot, and a rusty knife. You live in a haunted house. 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 I merely asked you to find it. Haunted house. You live in a haunted house. Find it. Find it. It mostly wants me to feel safe. Audio diary of Dr. Anna Georgina Plume, July 4th. 7 a.m. Recorded in the former teacher's lounge over tea. The renovations to the downstairs bathroom will be finished next Wednesday, and the painting and wallpapering will be complete by the end of the day on Monday. All told, I think we could swing a housewarming party around the 15th. Let's see, some assorted thoughts. One, I feel like we could prop open the front door and leave the door leading outside from the gymnasium open to allow people to wander around the building and the ground. If I do this, we'll have to keep Roybos and the dogs enclosed in their room. Two, we could set out food buffet style in the dining room and have a refreshment cart for drinks in the vestibule. Three, I think it might be fun to have the parachute out in the open sports field. I did say I wanted to have a parachute party at some point. Four, we'll need to close off the office, the bedrooms, the archives, the dog room, and the basement. Otherwise, people can mingle and explore. Five, maybe we can use the PA system to play music in the school. I wonder if there's a way to have music outside as well. I 
seem to remember there being an outside PA hookup, though I haven't really seen it walking around the building. Six. Maybe I could see about using the projector in the informal living room to display some of the photos that Melinda Basil sent me of the building over the years. Seven. This is most important. I should keep myself appraised of the overall situation in the school. It doesn't appear to be malevolent, so it's likely safe to invite everyone and we can minimize the risk by keeping people off the carousel and out of the basement. But I want to make sure that it's really safe before bringing a bunch of people in here. Overall, that's a good starting point. I will update my to-do list as planning progresses. Preliminary invitation list. One, Billy, although he's really more of a co-host at this point. Two, family, mom, dad, Nana Plume. Three, my group of Cincinnati friends might be willing to come up for the weekend. Four, assorted co-workers from Hollingsworth, not Lavinia. Five, friends in the area, both Roses, Sierra, Andrea. Six, Mr. Zaffer. Seven, I could talk to Mr. Zaffer and see if there are any other teachers who might be interested in seeing the place. Eight. Melinda Basil, maybe? She's been incredibly helpful. What is it you wanted to show me? You'll see. Okay, so there's this weird clearing where my friend George, who may have been a ghost, took me once. Ghost friend? The memories seem weirder the more I think about them. Anyway, I went back there while you were gone. While you were sick? Mostly better. Anyway, I found it and it looked mostly untouched except for the vellum envelope with the tiger charm. Okay, so that makes the horse just found again from your childhood, the lion in the tree line, and now a tiger. All animals on the carousel too. Oh. But more importantly, gate lady, Sophia, hinted that they made up some kind of necklace. And are we supposed to reach this clearing anytime soon? Uh, we should be there soon. See, the path is spiraling inward. Well, this isn't it. Uh, yeah. I think we've somehow just looped around and we're on the same path we came in on. In fact, yeah, there. That's the last fork up ahead. And we took a right at each fork. We did. Well, let's go back home. Whatever this is doesn't want us to find it right now, I guess. From the letters of Helena Reeve, recorded by Dr. Anna Georgina Plume. Letter dated January 2nd, 1896, to Miss Grace Thornwood of London, England. Dear Grace, Exciting news from Ellis Field. Last month, Lucy asked me to join the staff at the school as the librarian. 
As you know, I have been assisting her in the library since my arrival, but with the increase in student enrollment this academic year, she can no longer handle the work as librarian and dean of the school. She had mentioned advertising the position a few months ago, so the offer came as a complete surprise. As you know, I do not have the formal qualifications for the role, but I have spent the past five years in this library, so I feel ready to take leadership of it. James continues to enjoy his work teaching Latin. He has several students who are doing independent study work with him. While it leaves him busy, our lives are centered around the school, so his work has not created distance. It is refreshing to see him so happy with his work. Lucy has given him a measure of academic freedom that he has not known in other schools. My friendship with Lucy continues to grow. Often I see more of her than I do of James. She continues to be ebullient in her advocacy for education. She has introduced me to the philosophy of progressive education and continues to surprise me with the perfect book every time I seek out new reading. She has taken an interest in Elizabeth's education and is teaching her to speak French. Elizabeth continues to flourish in the school environment. She has been learning independently from many of the professors at the school. She does continue to talk about the school as if it were a person, and at times I catch her seemingly deep in conversation with no one else visible. However, she is not without friends her own age. She has befriended Carl, the son of Lydia Messinger, who oversees the school's kitchen. She has been teaching him the French she learns from Lucy, and I seldom hear them speaking in English when they know adults are around. There is one overarching concern with Elizabeth, her continued fear of Mr. Hobbs. She hides at the slightest mention of him, and I cannot say that I blame her. He continues to be in a foul temper at all times, and his presence casts a long shadow. However, the past few weeks have been a much-needed respite. He left very suddenly without explanation. Initially, he had promised to return before the opening of the new term, but Lucy has received word that he will be gone for at least this term as well. Everyone has been able to breathe easier with this news, especially Lucy. I don't understand why she continues to tolerate her brother. He is very much her antithesis and does not contribute much in terms of academic rigor to the faculty of the school. Nevertheless, I will continue to monitor the situation as it develops. It is getting late and I want to walk back to the library to ensure everything is in good order. Until I write again, Helena. A.G. Plume Commentary. Well, certainly seems like Algernon continued to worsen. I've pinpointed the last known reference to him in school records in 1897. Previously, I had thought he was working there until 1905. There are some county records that list him as a faculty member until then, but those records only list faculty the actual course listings don't have him teaching anything after 1897. I need to look into this further to determine the cause for the difference between the two documents. Audio Diary of Dr. Anna Georgina Plume, July 4th, 2 p.m. Recorded in our home office, formerly Classroom 1A. You're me? For the moment, we are, yes. A memory of you on the day you returned to us after years away. A reflection. 
a reflection of a memory. Why? Our more subtle attempts to contact you have failed. You haven't been subtle. Haven't we? You repeatedly turned on the carousel in the middle of the night. The only way you could have been less subtle is if you set off fireworks. Yet, nothing. You didn't exactly give me a list of action items. Also, you broke my arm. That was not us. We have lost control of the basement. We? Are there many of you, or is that just like a royal we? It is somewhere in between. We are what we need to be to keep our structure safe. Structure. Yes. Haven't you figured it out yet? We are. You're not the ghost of a person. Correct. You're the school, aren't you? Yes. So, George was... There was a George once, just like there was a Mindy once. Nothing happened to George? We are certain many things happened to him over the course of a long, happy life. We saw him sometimes as an adult. He used to come to the library. He knew your grandmother based on the conversations they had. Though we had not seen him for a while when your grandmother's library closed. But your George was very much like we stand before you now. A form to serve our purpose. You needed a friend. We wanted to be your friend. Thus, George. Can you do this with anyone? Double them, I mean? If they've been here, yes. But we like to go for distant memories. Less confusing that way. Though we did appear as your grandmother once. The storm. You were taking unnecessary risks. It was the only way to keep you safe. So why are you doing everything you've been doing? Do you want me out? On the contrary. We want you to make a home here. But we have to stop. Oh no, we don't have much more time. What can I do? Tongue of fire, feathers fire, feathers fire, razors edge, razors edge, razors edge. What does that mean? You gotta give me more than that. 
She's gone. They're gone. Ellis East Elementary Walkthrough, May 18th. The outer wall, to the west, is exposed brick. There is a radiator on this wall, which is about three feet in height. Above it are windows that span all the way to the ceiling. They are covered with curtains with an avocado and orange pattern from the 1970s. It is splotchy and the white background of the pattern has yellowed with age. There is a line where the curtain hit the windowsill. The portion of the curtain below the windowsill is much less faded due to lack of sun exposure. The windows overlook the side yard of the school, which has a flagpole, open green space, and a small parking lot for teachers on the other side of the sidewalk. The room is about half as narrow as the classrooms. The three remaining walls are painted white. Among the refrigerator magnets, there is a paper held to the refrigerator with a magnet in the shape of Florida. On the paper is a drawing in pencil of a sideways crescent with a plus sign on the right point. I leave the teacher's lounge and proceed down the side hallway, which branches off the main hallway, to the first of two auxiliary classrooms. Lavender Evening Fog is a fiction podcast. This episode was written by Victoria Dickman Burnett, directed by Ben Baird, produced, mixed, and edited by Nick Federinko and Victoria Dickman Burnett. Executive producers are Ben Baird and Victoria Dickman Burnett. The voice of Anna Georgina Plume is Victoria Dickman Burnett. The voice of Billy is Nick Federinko. Amy Yap and Tony Barrett are briefly reprising their roles as Sophia the Gate Lady and Daryl the Carousel Repair Technician, respectively. The Lavender Evening Fog logo was designed by Allison Dickman, and our season two concept art was designed by Matt Lowe. This episode is brought to you by the feeling of finally getting some rest after moving everything you own from one location to another. This episode pairs well with Paris Black Tea and Oat Milk. And now, a promo from our friends, Ritualistic Podcast, a psychological horror podcast that is our sibling in blending the academic with the spooky. We highly recommend checking them out wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, listeners. It is my grave duty to report to you that Jamie Locke's complete tapes have been discovered, and they're worse than we thought. Mr. Arthur has her in his hands yet, and the others, they're all in grave danger. Her reports on the strangeness in Middleton, Ohio, I cannot describe them in my own words. Should you think you can do something to save the Melody Method dig site crew, tune into Ritualistic Podcast on Spotify. New episodes come out every other Wednesday. And remember, listeners, join the Blinding Melody Church today.